All right, here we go. Uh, so, yeah. um, I think we need like a name for this like TV show. That so, so we'll have to come up with one. Um, like a plug in the in the beginning and kind of edit it in. So uh, some of you guys may recognize this guy. This is Ansi. Pro pronounce your last name for me. Uh, Vilianen. Yeah, I'm not gonna try to say that. Uh, there you go. That's but, why I say I always say for you. <laughs> but we worked we worked together. We were both FESs together. Um, Ansi came on as I was uh, transitioning to FEC, and uh, we spent some time together, worked together, and and we're friends as well. We hang out outside of work. Um, he has a solid track record. That's why that's why I want to talk to him today and hopefully uh, get some nuggets out of that that brain of his. Um, and you know he could share some of his war stories and his knowledge and uh, his tips and uh, and then you know we can utilize that as a team. Um, so you know I mentioned I mentioned your you know your time as an FES and um, I was thinking about this before the call. You came in real real like with a lot of heat like you were like chomping at the bit you were ready to go right. And um, I think you got, I don't know, like 80 ops your first month, but like... Yeah, it was it was that short month. Right. Um, we were already 40 day, 14 days into the month. I, I came in with 80 ops at so, the yeah. end of the month. So that, that's, a, that's a crazy first month. Um, you, but the, the caveat was that there was, there was one CW and you were like, you were like, oh, my, oh my goodness, like why, why do I only have one CW? Um, and, and I and I and I only bring this up because I, I kind of want to highlight your journey as an FES um, and you know I think you went through phases um, and by the time by the time you left you know you were flying as high as anyone so I think it would be useful uh, for people um, who are still in their process to maybe talk about about your your journey and the um, the steps, the phases that you went through. Sure. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a like a quick overview of what I see as being the the different points of my my journey, and you can sort of dig more into it where you see fit. So where I came in pretty pretty hard right away. Uh, 80 ops although one CW. So my first month process was just to figure out how do I get people on paper? How do I get those ops in the system? And that, that was very much the, the philosophy of our manager, Christian Jovanich. Um, but then the second month, I, I started sort of figuring out the, the CW game as well. I, I, I guess I, I realized what are the things that really affect your closes sort of uh, how to schedule stuff a little bit closer up uh, how to maybe match the the FEC a little bit um, how to maybe set up expectations a little bit so I started getting my my CWs up uh, I, I believe my second month was about 100 I hit 105 ops and 14 CWs uh, the following month was my best one, which was 140 ops, I believe, and 20 CWs. I remember that. And then uh, I had, I think, a 15 CW month with like about 120, 130. Yeah. And then I had another half month with uh, just just 15, 15, 16 days. I had 12 CWs. So I, my trend was actually the hottest, uh, the month that I 
uh, transferred over to FEC. So, so that was sort of my statistically my my journey. But I suppose uh, professionally, I first figured out how to get the ops. Then I figured out how to get those CWs a little bit better. Uh, then I figured out how to maybe maybe set the expectation a little bit better. Uh, then there was an interesting sort of a fall uh, hubris, if you will, where I thought I was something hot and good, and uh, I, I became proud. Right. And uh, I that was a sort of an interesting phase in my FES career where I kind of realized how to adjust my mental game and how, uh, how to come back from that, and, and I feel like that's... Uh, after I had sort of sorted that one out, that's that's when I kind of reached my peak um, right. strategically and, and mentally. So, so let me ask you some follow-up questions to that. Um, sure. You kind of went month by month, month by month on the stats for each month, and it seemed like each month you were you were improving, you were making tweaks. Um, sure. What what were the what were the turning points? Uh, between each of those stages, like, like what were the moments that where you had the insight to make the change? Sure. So my first month, I and this is how I learn everything. I'm I, I usually would characterize myself as as a high performer, and I, I I always tackle everything with that kind of mentality. So what I do is I always find out who's the best at the moment. And then I just flat out copy them. Um, I don't. I don't think I'm smart enough to figure out from starting from zero how to do this better than the best guy in the company. And I was really fortunate, Alex, to have you in my team uh, because the month before I came along, you had just broken the company record 178. I think it was uh, March or, um, or or February, and. Uh, I, I was able to kind of come along with you and just I picked up what you were doing right. and uh, I kind of made that my own and and hit the road running and um, got 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 pretty good pretty quickly but then so my, my CWs were, were still bad and uh, I started kind of uh, tweaking my pitch a little bit uh -huh. um, and I started trying different things and I would say I was because of I had high intensity and and mental game that I I'm I'm gonna make the most out of this. Yeah. I was still getting some kind of results. I got my 13 CWs uh, when I first kind of cracked open the uh, the matching game and and uh, the scheduling things a little bit further in or closer closer in. Um, so let me let me narrow that down a little bit. You're, sure. You're alluding to how how you. Um, basically got more CWs. So if you had to reduce that to a couple bullet points, like as succinct as possible, what would you say the key things are to to getting the highest return on your ops in terms of getting more CWs? Two things. One is that the, you're first setting up the appointment as close up as possible. Yep. And second, secondly, is that if you can make sure that the person sits down, you're going to be doing really strong. So whatever you, 
what, whatever, there, there are a couple ways to get the person to sit down. Uh, you're going to want to use those uh, appointment cards. Just like, hey, this is something for you to hold on to. Put that on your Mac, uh, you know, fridge. Put that on your dashboard so you remember that. And uh, secondly is, is just your phone. Uh, call the following day and say, hey, it was good to good meet you yesterday at the Home Depot. We set up uh, the meeting for tomorrow at 6 p.m. Uh, did you have a chance to talk to your wife? Is that still a good time for you? And they said, no, well, actually, it would be better if we did it at 4 o'clock. I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to let my consultant know. Or maybe they're all right with it, and you just roll with it. And that's what I, what I do as an FEC. Now that I'm an FEC, I'm, I'm very particular about getting those sits. And, um, so let me but, ask you a question. Sure. Um, I think a lot of FESs have the concern that, oh, if I call to confirm, they might change their mind. They might cancel. Um, what's your response to that? Sure. I would say that's BS. I mean, if they're going to change, change their mind, that means that they're cold to begin with. Right. And, you know, maybe it's better that we're not wasting anybody's time if they're cold to begin with. Right. Uh, if they're cold or sort of on the fence, there, there's, a chat, there's a possibility you'll be able to still talk them back into it. So if, if there's no con contact, you know, we, we just can't uh, bury our heads in the sand and say that, well, hopefully it'll be good. Yeah, that's good advice. That's really, really good advice. Absolutely. Um, so you, you mentioned that you um, you dealt with hubris, right? Um, I, sure. I had, I had some of that myself where I once I was in a good stride and I would be speaking to someone, I would feel, like in a store, I'd feel like, oh, I got them. Like, I got right. this. And then I would right. lose them, right? Right. And, and I had that happen in the home, too, where okay. I'd be going really well, and I'd be like, oh, this person's going to sign up. And yeah. then I'd lose them. And I found that what happened when I got cocky like that was that I stopped focusing on the process. Um, exactly right. So, yeah, I had to remind myself that, like, whenever I had that thought, I'd have to remind myself, focus on the process till the end. Like... You exactly don't, right. You don't have it until like you have signed them up, or you don't have exactly you don't have right. them until you walked out of the house um, and signed them up. Exactly right. And and even furthermore, as an FEC in particular, you don't have them until they're installed. <laughs> so, um, any any um, tips on on guarding against that pride? Well, I guess. What what is to guard against it? Uh, I would say is that stop looking at what everybody else is doing. Are you better today than you were yesterday? Would be the question. Not whether are you better than you know the next best guy in the team. So uh, that that was very helpful for me. Uh, also, uh, my last month and a half or so, I stopped counting my ops. Uh, my best day, I got 17, and um, and that was also only in seven hours, actually, because I had to fly to San Francisco that day, yeah. and it was a Tuesday, just a random Tuesday, came in at 7, worked until 2 o'clock, and just pulled a boatload of ops. That, that's pretty killer. Uh, right. And, uh, but the, the key was, if, if you start counting, you become uh, content with what you're doing. Yeah. 
and and then then you stop trying as hard so that's sort of on the protection side uh sort of what the effect of that pride is uh what i found is in almost in every case where that pride would seep in it would i would communicate essentially to myself that i'm so good at this that i don't need to work as hard as everybody else and that's when my numbers started going down i i enjoyed a measure of success and my cam was having uh, other guys sort of train under me and uh i noticed that you know when i was training these other guys then then I thought that you know I had this and I don't need to work as hard and that's when my numbers started going down. Right. Let me let me ask you a question. Um, I think counting ops is also counterproductive. So um, I have I have my answer to this question, but I want to hear I want to hear what you think. Um, sure. I think it's easy to focus. It's like almost natural to focus on how many you have. Um, yeah, sure. But when you're not counting and you're not focusing on how many you have, what are you focusing on? The next one. What 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 am I gonna do in the next conversation? Yeah. There there's a like every FES probably knows the feeling, the kind of zone that you're in, when when people are just stopping. Yeah. Your your pitches could you're present. That's I think that's the, that's the one key word is that you're present in the conversation and and you know how to control it. Would that coincide? Would that coincide with what 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 you think about it? Yeah. Um, my my the way I explained it was um, like I was always just kind of like going, just kind of like go 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 go. But I, 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 I like how you put it. I feel like that's more tangible. Uh, okay. You know, focusing just focusing on what's next, focusing on what's right in front of you, being sure. present. I think that's super key. Like, don't think about what time it is. Don't think about what anyone else has. Don't think about exactly your monthly right. numbers. Just no. think about like getting the next one. Exactly that's right. Perfect. Um, so let me change gears here a little bit. Um, sure. You know, we, we worked. We we both worked a variety of stores, and um, yeah, no two stores are alike. Um, here, here's something I run into when I talk to my team. Um, sure. I'll I'll often get feedback like, uh, oh, it's slow. It's slow today. There's not that many people here. Uh, you know what? Let me... Sorry, I'm losing you right now. Can yeah, you can so, you repeat that? So um, the feedback I get from people often, uh, not often, but you know, on occasion, they'll say, "Oh, it's slow, right? The store's slow." Um, so what what what's your thought on that? I mean, you you work different stores, and you know, you worked you worked on you know slower days like Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, right. So on days when you know, it was a slower day, or at least lighter in traffic. Um, how would you approach that? And what do you think about the idea of a slow day and how that should or did affect your performance? Sure. So I have two thoughts on that. Uh, for one, it you know, we, we should define what is a slow day. Does that mean that the foot traffic is bad? Because uh, you go to a store like Marina del Rey, and I was always counting how many people I was talking to. Uh, a regular day in Marina del Rey Home Depot, you get talked to four to five hundred people. Where a regular day at East Inglewood, where I usually worked, was about two hundred people. So that foot traffic was double, even more than that. 
in in comparison, but right. I pulled double the amount of ops from East Inglewood. Right. So less amount of people is not necessarily bad, for one, because there is no herd effect. You know, Marina. You know, you try to stop one person, they don't stop the people behind them notice that they're not stopping so no one's stopping and you're not talking to anybody so uh, I actually kind of prefer a little little bit slower traffic because people are more more prone to stop that for one but I do realize when we talk about slow days uh, um, that yes there are there are days when no no one's just stopping that that you know the store is, is difficult and I definitely understand the whole concept um in my area there was one particular store west inglewood that that was that was really hard but the question i would ask myself and here's what i would say is the key takeaway from this is that on a slow day can you afford to slow down i don't believe we can afford because what 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 happens is that uh, our inclination would be to just wait for the hot days and just go hard on those days. Right. But I would contend, uh, I would contend that if you don't build the stamina to go hard all the time, yeah. you won't have the stamina to go hard on those days that the, the iron is actually hot. Yeah. So think of it as as a training ground when 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 it's a so-called slow day. Yeah. Because even still on my slow days. I would still pour, pull four ops, five ops, which yeah. is, with for a lot of people, that's something that, you know, they're killed to have something like that. Right, right. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so er- earlier you mentioned, um, I was asking you kind of about, like, how you learn and that sort of thing. I know mm-hmm. you're a big learner. You read a lot. You study a lot. You do a lot of learning on your own. You're, you're probably going to be learning your whole life. Um, For sure, yeah. You know, you mentioned you came on and, um, you know, you learned from me. Um, I know you also learned with Gordon. I kind of introduced you to Gordon. Uh, yeah, Gordon Wealthy, yeah. Um, I know you were in touch with Jonathan, Jonathan Bissell. And, a little bit, yeah. And Nick Fern a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if you could talk about each of those people, Gordon, Bissell, Nick Fern, and not to toot my own horn, but uh, myself, just like what you learned from, sure. From each of those people. Sure. So, uh, I I consider your yourself as as my biggest mentor because from you I actually uh, uh, caught the form of, of my pitch, yeah. and um, you know if you want we can role play that at some point or whatever. Um, but I I caught on to the form of it uh, from Jonathan Bissell. Uh, I learned the value of being simple, not being simplistic, yeah. but but being being simple in the pitch. Yeah. Uh, I call it refined simplicity. Okay. Um, Gordon is very good at being non-threatening, yeah. and that is a very huge key in being an FES. Uh, we got to win people's trust, and if we're threatening, we can't do it. Yeah. And finally, Nick Fern, uh, he had a couple just very, very good nuggets in terms of verbiage that he was using in his pitch, and I kind of added those along into the, the skeleton that I got from you, and I, I felt, I feel like I made it better. Yeah. So, um, when you said you got the form from me, like you're saying the skeleton, 
the order of things? Can you elaborate sure. a little bit? Well, um, I mean, I can literally go through the whole thing in a minute and a half. You want to roleplay it? All right, let's do it. Let's do it quick. Okay. Well, hey, uh, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Doing good. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Uh, how much do you spend on electricity every month? Uh, $30. $30? Okay. Okay. Give me, give me a little bit bigger number because if you, if you say 30 number, $30, I'm going to let you go. All right. $90. $90? Do way better than that. So let me show you something. And I always have a picture of, of, uh, of a solar panel I point out and say, so what we do is we upgrade your house to solar for no cost. Yep. Pause it, let it marinate a little bit. Yep. Uh, we have about $700 million from Google to do these projects. So it makes a lot more sense for you to make your own electricity rather than buy it expensive from DWP or Edison. Yep. Now the only question is if your roof qualifies. Yep. Is your roof flat or is it pitched? It's pitched. A pitched roof? Yeah. Awesome. Can I take a quick look at it with my satellite? Sure. Okay. Then we go over that. Then there are basically three basic things that I, I mentioned when, I, when we're looking at the roof. So it seems like you have a shingle roof. Is that right? That's right. Uh, do you know how old your roof is? Ten years old. Ten years? Okay. So, yeah, we're, we're still definitely within the range. Uh, is it strong enough for a man to walk on it? I walked on it last week. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. So, um, basically what we could do is, um, we could have one of my guys come over do a free estimate. There's no obligation to move forward with us. We're there just give you information. Um, are you usually better available in the morning or the evening? The evening works. The evening is better. Uh, it's 2.15 right now. Uh, I'll be able to actually still squeeze you in today at 6. Does that work for you? Yeah, I can do that. Sure. So I'll, I'll, I'll have my guy come over at 6, and uh, if you just have 15 more seconds, let me write out this uh, appointment card for you so you have something to hold on to. You have a way of getting a hold of me. Perfect. Yeah. And then I'll just take their contact info. So and obviously, I was a super easy customer. I was just for the sake of uh, time. Um, sure. Now, now let, let me tell you this, though. Let me tell you this. Uh, whether you're difficult or not, yeah. like... Uh, what I encounter is that I don't need to work with uh, fighting against objections almost at all because I, I guide the conversation. I always know where I'm going and we're, we kind of reach the logical conclusion. So maybe after they're signed up, they might ask something, but it's not like something I need to overcome per se. I think that's key. You know, an effective script is one that... Um, it's like, I always compare it to like a Bruce Lee one-inch punch that like knocks someone out. It has like right. the, most, the most impact with the least action, and it's going exactly right. to elicit the least uh, resistance from the customer. Exactly and, right. Uh, and that's why uh, being specific uh, and very intentional in your script is so important. And yeah. I know you're, you're very intentional, I was very intentional, Gordon was very intentional, Nick Fern was very intentional. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. You met, uh, the verbiage from Nick, was that just the line about the 700 uh, million? That, that's, that one is from Nick, and also in the very end, uh, I could still squeeze you in okay. today at 6. Yeah. That's, that's a really good, squeeze you in, I love that verb. Yeah. Uh, upgrade your house to solar, upgrade yeah. it, that's, that's from Jonathan Bissell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
what would you talk a little bit about refined simplicity? So here, I think here is the here is the essence of it is do not use more than one sentence to describe one idea. Why? Uh, because you don't need to. What happens when you do? Uh, you start rambling. Uh, you you give more space to kind of uh, for the other person to kind of jump in. Which I mean, if they do, you you sh you shut your mouth and listen, obviously. But it's just uh, it's just not necessary. And if you don't know how to communicate one idea in one sentence, you don't know your stuff well enough. Um, yeah, I, I often tell tell uh, people, I think when you get too descriptive, you give, you kind of open the door f to go down rabbit holes, or Absolutely. to basically, um, you're basically eliciting objections. Exactly you know. right. Um, all right, let's let's see what I've got here next. Um, this is actually a question I sort of ask in interviews, but I wanted to ask you. Um, sure. Well. Um, what motivates you in general? What motivate? My biggest motivation is that I just want to be really good at what I do. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, so that's that's very much at the core. Uh, I suppose. Why is it that I want to be really good at what I'm doing right now? Is that I'm just very very enthusiastic about uh, entrepreneurship. Yeah. And then there is a secondary, secondary, and I'm 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 frank and honest about it. Uh, uh, we are obviously we're saving the world, but that's not what's on the forefront of my mind when I work. To be honest, um, I, I I realize that that kind of leaks into everything, and and that that's what motivates a lot of our customers. But but most of my drive just comes from wanting to be good. mentioned learning earlier sure um, what are your what are your thoughts on on uh, continuous learning especially um, I think once you get once you get good and you get comfortable it's easy to to uh, kind of like let that take a back seat and be like I don't you know I can stop so what, sure. what are your thoughts on on continuous learning well I think the the important thing is to be very definite and intentional once again yeah. what what is it about your game that you can improve right now you can you can you know there's always that thought that you know pra practice makes perfect or whatever but i would say perfect practice makes perfect yeah. and, and and what i would say is that you gotta you gotta focus on one part of your game at the time uh, there are very sort of in the fes game you can break it very easily down to your game of how, how effective you're stopping people at stopping people, yeah. how effective you're at your value proposition and getting people around the map, and thirdly, how effective you're able you know, in closing and getting the, the name on the paper. Right. Very, very simple. And obviously all of those different components have a lot of things that play into it. So my strategy in learning was, okay, well, I feel like I'm not stopping enough people, so I need to focus on that part of my game. Or I'm able to bring people to my table, to my map, but I'm not able to get the names on the paper. So I would need to 
you know, uh, focus on that part of the game. And there's always somebody who does does it better than you do. So you just gotta go and find out find out who that person is. Right. Um, you know, we talked about process earlier uh, mm -hmm. and being intentional. Uh, what, what do you What do you think about? Uh, I think I think you have two groups of people in, in our camp. I think you have people who are fairly regimented in their process, um, and mm -hmm. you know, will use a script or at least an outline they follow, uh, versus people who who kind of freewheel and go off the cuff. Uh, what, what you know compare and contrast those what do you think well I, I do say this uh, I, I just came from Colorado last week and talked to 25 best performers FESs in the country and one common denominator is that they all know what they're doing they know they do they're very simple about what they do but they they pretty much do it the same way every single time so there are very few sort of freewheelers kind of people who just wing it so that's just on on the statistical side um second second way to look at it is that if you give yourself the the quarter to say well i'm i'm good enough you know just kind of feeling it out and winging it uh yes a lot of times that's actually can be better but the danger of that is that you're, it's like shooting a bow and an arrow. Yeah. The, the arrow is going to only fly as, as far as you have the, the strength to stretch the bow. Right. And sometimes you can actually shoot it very far that way. But when you have a process and you know where you're going, it's like you have a gun. It right. doesn't matter if the gun is put into hands of a 90-year-old girl or a Marine Corps soldier, it's going to shoot the exact same, it's going to provide the exact same punch. So, if you've um, set a script a thousand times, which you probably have said more than that, you can probably, yeah, sure. you can probably say it in your sleep, right? For sure. Um, how do you still sound natural when you talk to a person? How do you make it sound like it's the first time it's come out of your mouth? Oh, that's a great question. That's a really good question. I'm, I'm wondering how, how to actually do that. Um, I think it comes down to being present. Uh, I uh, there, There's a great guy called Josh Waitzkin. Uh, he has a book called Art of Learning. And uh, he... He, uh, he was a martial artist, and he said that he studied form so that he could leave the form. So he would basically just hone in this one punch time and time and time again so that when the time comes where he actually needs to use it, he's not thinking about it. So I've practiced it so many times that I actually don't need to think about it. So... I'm not. I'm not thinking. Well, what? What am I supposed to say next? It kind of comes naturally because I've done it so many times, and th at that point, it's just a matter of controlling my energy and being present to the person. I'm not thinking about what's happening at home, how many ops the guy next to me got over at the next store, and uh, just being present. That's super important. That is a very insightful answer. Um, you know, we, we've talked about we've talked about um, 
managing your energy um, while you're working and different sure. ways to do that. Um, like, you know, I, I, I drank caffeine. You did Correct. not. You had, you had your not. own way of doing that. Um, something I noticed when I first started was if I had like a high carb lunch or with like red meat, I'd be very sluggish afterwards. Absolutely. So, so I avoided that for a while until I got like, until I got good enough where it didn't matter. Uh, but, uh, but tell me, tell me your philosophy on managing your energy because I, I think managing your energy in the role of FES is, uh, is like just so, so pivotal. It's, it's extremely important. I think it's one of the most important things. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, that, that's, that, that's a really interesting point that, that you bring in. Uh, obviously, I, was, I, I did fairly well for myself at the store. Yeah. But, and you could come and see me there, but you ne wouldn't necessarily see how I live my life on, you know, outside the store. So, I think there are a lot of just physical components that you need to take in, into consideration. I would try to be very kind of regimented about maintaining your exercise routine. Because that is like just yesterday. Uh, I I previous night I had gone to sleep at two o'clock. I had to get up around seven eight. So I'm getting you know not not enough sleep. So I have to go run a side visit in the morning and I come back. I just want to take a nap. But then I realized that well I have a choice. Am I gonna go exercise or I'm gonna take a nap? And I realized that I'm gonna get so much more done just by going on that exercise class. So yeah. that's sort of, and that's that's what I'm doing. My that's my day was really good, even even though uh, I hadn't gotten enough sleep. Yeah. So that being said, uh, I was fairly regimented about my sleeping routine. Yeah. So as much as possible, I try to try to get my eight hours of sleep. Um, I I do not use caffeine because I I find find that it tends to mask my real energy level yeah. and I find that you always kind of need to pay it back eventually if, yeah. if you kind of borrow by using caffeine uh, so I would not have enough sort of energy for my wife uh, after my day of work if, if I was caffeinated and I come come down on that caffeine yeah. crush uh, crash at, at the end of the day uh, in terms of nutrition uh, I tend to eat a lot of salad uh, that's that's what they always called me at the Home Depot's mr. salad <laughs> for, for the salads that I would either make myself or my my wife would make for me so I I, I was very con conscious of the fact that I would not eat too much for lunch just enough that I would not be sort of sluggish and sometimes I might even eat two times so I would take my first sort of 10-15 minutes uh, I would finish first half of my salad in 10-15 minutes around 11 o'clock and then I would go back around 2 o'clock and finish the, finish the rest of the salad so that way my, my blood sugar is not up and down and that was something that was very helpful for me yeah, physical energy is a huge part of this. Um, oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, G Gordon, Gordon Welty, um, one of the best FPSers that, that ever was. Uh, oh, absolutely. Super, super endurance guy, super disciplined, uh, former Marine, uh, Nick Fern. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Nick Fern, was super, Nick Fern is a pretty extreme guy to extreme sports and things like that, endurance athlete, right. that sort of thing. So, yeah. It goes a long way, and um, and and I and I'm not an athlete, or or do, nor do I have high endurance. Um, so, so any anyone can do it. 
Um, there you go. Um, Can I say one 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 thing about that? Sure. Uh, actually, from the blog that you referred me to, uh, Eric Barker, barking up uh, the wrong great tree. Great blog. Great blog. Ab absolutely great blog. Uh, I love following that. Uh, there was a there was a article on grit and mental toughness. Yeah. And something that struck me about that, why that kind of stuck with me was that your brain will always give in before your body does. Like your body will be able to go a lot further than your mind. It's very interesting. Which, which kind of like we want to when we give up, we make excuses, and usually those are very physical excuses, like I'm too tired or or something like that. Yeah. But kind of. Having that at the back of my mind that, oh, it's actually, in the end, it's actually still a mental thing. Yeah. It challenges me in a good way. Yeah, the, uh, the, the FES role, I always say, is uh, is such a mind game. It's, it's all, it's Absolutely. all like up here. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, real quick, um, and, and I just have a couple questions left, so we're, we're, we're sure. wrapping up. Okay. Um, what do you think of... You know, people who are salesy, overly no. salesy. Okay, so I, I, I kind of get the gist of the question. Can you define that a little further? Uh, what is what is the effect of being overly salesy, and uh, what would be a preferred way of being? Right, so... And I might tie that into to the non-threatening piece. Yeah, I mean, I mean think, think about it this way. You know, how would you want to be treated? Like, you you know, if someone's trying to impose something upon you, you're just not going to respond very well. There's going to be always that buyer's remorse if, if you're forced into something. So, you know what? Let me, let me, let me, let me refine the question. Sure. Um, you know, I think we're kind of, we're kind of walking a tightrope here in the role because, sure. you know, you have to have a, you have to have a large degree of assertiveness and persistence. Assertiveness, and, exactly, uh, that's a good word. And, you know, like, really, like, once you have a customer, like, you know, keeping them there until you close them. So, exactly. how, how, how do you do that and not be salesy? Uh, I think it's, it's always important to make the person feel and and legitimately do this that you you're hearing them out yeah so they said well hey i gotta talk to my wife about it I'm like yeah. okay absolutely absolutely um what we could do is that i'll, I'll set you up tentatively for yeah. saturday morning at 10 uh here's my card and you can you can give me a call if if it doesn't work out for you guys that all right and and so many times i would still spin around like that i would get an op out of that or get a cw out of that and uh, you know you got you got to respect what they say. And uh, another thing is like, kind of goes along with being salesy is 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 being needy. Yeah, like absolutely. somebody said, like no, I'm not interested in solar. Or you know, don't call after the person like, well, we could save your electric, you know, money on your electric bill. Oh, you're not interested in saving money or whatever. Just those zingers they're just stupid yeah. and like just just don't call after people don't follow people um, you know people want to argue don't get into it just take the next one yeah I think that's people um, letting their ego kind of get into it and, and, and we're all human and it happens to us and you know I've done yeah. it yeah um, I've so done it we just have to you know be aware of that um, 
so we're, we're closing in on 40 minutes. Um, a, lot of, a lot of really good stuff here. A lot of good content, man. A lot of good nuggets. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I'm sorry, man. I know how busy you are in your, uh, your the next uh, step of your career as an FEC. Right. And I know you're very um, diligent about managing your time. So uh, thank you for being the first guest on uh, this show that is to be uh, to be named. But I think to be named. What I'm gonna call our, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have like a name, like a, like a something university, which will have all this material, and right. whatever the team name is, which we're still deciding. Um, there you go. Right now, I have the name Vipers in my, in my mind, so I can okay. Vipers University, for example. But uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time, dude. And, Absolutely. Um, and maybe we'll do it again. Absolutely. Well, if, if there's anything that we did not cover or, or, or uh, you would like to like my input on, I'll, I'll be more than happy to provide you uh, with that in any, any format that, that is most suitable for you. Awesome. Thanks, man. And I will and I, see I, you soon. I obviously, I obviously owe a lot of my success to you, so this is the <laughs> least I can do. You know, I think, I think it's just how it goes. It's like, you know, I leaned on Gordon, you leaned on me, people leaned on you. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's like a lineage. That's how we do it. There you go. All right, man. Good chatting as always. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. Uh, don't don't cut out yet. I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop the recording now. Sure. All right, dude. Uh, let's see. All right, so so we're still on, but not recording.